Good morning, everyone. Today is a big day, a very unusual day, <laughs> but very exciting at the same time. Um, as everybody knows, our new name is Grace Point Church, and uh, today is the, the day that we're rolling this out. So uh, we just want everybody to know that even though our, we have a new name, we are still we still have the same building, don't we? There are a lot of similar faces, but there's a lot of new faces, which is great. We, we, we really appreciate that and really look forward to sharing the word and living the word as a family together. We also acknowledge that there, there are people here that have been in this church for many years. We're talking, I'm not sure how many. So how, who's been here for five years? Five years or so, Okay. There's been a, a, quite a few that have been here maybe one year. Um, how about 10 years? 10 years, okay. And 15? 20? We've got some 20s out here. And what about longer than 20? We've got some people holding their hands up. So we're still here. But we also acknowledge that there's been some changes, and, and I think it was appropriate that we make this change. So. We're just very thankful that everybody's here and celebrating today in, in our new name rollout. Um, we also would like to acknowledge and give, give thanks to those who've been on our committee. Uh, we had a rollout committee. We've been meeting each week. Uh, it's been a really joyous time to get together with everybody and, and hash out all the details. And why don't we go around? Brett Altman was on the committee. You want to stand, Brett? We Thea, just have the committee members stand real yeah, quick. Yeah, Thea Ashoff, real quick. Heidi Johnson. Where's our other committee? Oh, there we go. John Martins, Nancy Gibson. If you see Chad, these folks, just say hi yeah, and, and thank, thank you them. to them because it's, it's been, been a, 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 a weekly meeting for the last six, seven, eight, 15 weeks or so. It's About been a long that. time. Yeah, so. it's been wonderful. <laughs> Chad? So you might be uh, wondering what's next. Um, you've already seen bulletins are new. We've got um, a new website that just rolled out this weekend. And one thing that you'll notice on there, if you go to it right now, the first time, oh, go back. The first time that you come, you'll see Welcome to Grace Point. The next time you'll come, you'll see something different. And that's by design. It's, uh, um, and then we also have some new mugs available. Eventually, these will be available for welcome, for folks that are coming from a welcome, a welcome gift, along with um, some new brochures that are coming. But for those that are already a part of the congregation, we have these available, as well as the shirts that you see many of us wearing today. These are available for purchase out in the foyer, or out in the fellowship hall. Um, so you can uh, um, talk with folks out there about that. Let's see, also, you'll notice uh, Mike and Nancy's picture on that photo booth. Our intent for that is to be able to use that. Anybody can use it to take a photo in front. We'll use it for Awana Awards and, and just to celebrate uh, the, 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 the goings-on here, here at church. Tonight, in terms of what's coming up, tonight, um, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, we have a special praise and worship time, just celebrating kind of marking the moment um, for us as a congregation. So we hope you're able to come back and join us. On Tuesday, you'll start seeing some notices in the 
in the media, newspaper and, and radio, just talking about Atlantic E Free is changing their name. So it's, it's being made public this week. And over the course of the next few weeks, you're going to see other things. We have the sign ordered for out front, so we've got sign or signs coming. Uh, we'll have a new welcome brochure. And you'll probably see things that are like, oh, they, they still have Atlantic E Free on that. If you see something like that, just let myself or the office know, and, and we'll, be, uh, we'll be sure to get those switched over because it's, it's, a, it's a process to get everything switched over. Um, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I've been asked, um, well, why did you guys change your name? Larry, have you been asked that? Many times, yes, so, I have. So how do you answer that? Um, well, uh, a lot of people ask, what does evangelical really mean? What does that mean? What does evangelical free mean? I mean, does that mean we can basically worship and do whatever we want? Um, it was confusing, so there was a lot of confusion around that, that old name. So that's why we started to really seriously consider changing our name. So we did. There's a good chance that you, will, you might, as if you're a regular member here, you might be asked that, well, why did you guys change your name? And like Larry said, you know, the way I've been answering is, well, the word evangelical today, thanks to today's media, has different connotations to different people. And, and because of that, we, we don't want to be a stumbling block to the gospel. The gospel itself is a big enough stumbling block. We don't want a preconceived notion about the word evangelical to be that stumbling block. So we're changing it because we want people to come to Christ through grace. We've changed it to grace point. And you can, you're going to get asked that, but be, be thinking about how you might answer that question. So um, Larry and I, we just want to say... Welcome, Welcome to, Grace to Grace Point, Point Church. Please turn in your Bibles to uh, the second chapter of Acts. Our scripture this morning will be verses 37 through 47. Acts chapter 2, 37 through 47. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they, were devoted, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through, through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved.
Well, good morning. It is good to be together this morning. I did. I also wanted to add my thanks to that rollout committee, and they you, they stood before, so I won't make them stand again. But uh, they've already done enough work. But uh, thank you so much to that team, and they're still working. There's a lot of things that are that are coming, and um, yeah. So appreciate so much, you folks, uh, what you did for us all there. Uh, we are going to be in that Acts passage, and uh, I'm just going to lead us in prayer, and we'll get right into it. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, bringing us here today. Thank you for. Uh, your grace in our lives. We thank you for your word, uh, which speaks to us, Lord, uh, to every part of our lives uh, from cover to cover, from beginning to end. Uh, This is what you uh, have for us, and we pray that you would uh, make us students now of your word and of this passage in particular as we think together about our church and the community you've called us into here at Grace Point. And so we praise you, and we look to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, a man named Bill Cower was the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Football fans might remember him. In fact, I think he's a TV commentator now. Uh, But uh, years ago, he was the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he was a pretty good coach. Cower was a pretty successful coach. The Steelers did very well under his leadership. And uh, one of the big reasons he was so successful is that he was focused. That was what Cower was really known for. He was an intense guy. You'd see him on the, stand, on the sidelines. He always looked like he was angry because he was just so focused. He was such a focused person. And uh, that served him well on the field. If that's what you want in a football coach, you want him to be focused on the game of football. But every now and again, that, that focus on football, that intense focus, got him into a little bit of trouble. Uh, one time he was at a, a community event there in Pittsburgh, and that was kind of part of his job when you're the head coach of a major sports team. Sometimes they send you out to kind of represent the team and the community, and and it was one of those kind of events. And so, you know, he put the suit and tie on, and he went to this luncheon they told him he had to go to. And, uh, and so he was, he was there at this function, this civic function, and, and the organizers had seated him next to this woman. And uh, she, she was clearly kind of, you know, some sort of dignitary, and she was dressed very nicely. And so he's trying to do his, his job, and, and, you know, his, his dignitary job is be an ambassador for the team kind of thing. And, and so he turns to this woman to make polite conversation, and he says to her, so what do you do? And, and she kind of turned to him, and she said, I'm the mayor of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I guess he'd missed that, right? Yeah, here he is coaching in Pittsburgh. And, oh, you're the mayor. Today's an important day. You heard that before. It's an important day in the life of our church. Uh, We're launching our new name, Grace Point Church. And next week, we're going to jump into Ephesians. I'm sure a few of you, anyway, are wondering, what are we going to study now? We just finished Zephaniah. What are we going to do next? Uh, next is Ephesians, actually. We had actually, and those of you who've been here longer than a year might remember we studied the first three chapters of Ephesians last fall, and my goal this fall is to just go back where we left off. When we got to the holidays last year, we took a break, and now we're going to pick up Ephesians chapter 4 next week, right where we left off. Uh, but before we do that, before we move into Ephesians for the fall, uh, I want to take advantage of this uh, occasion, this opportunity that's afforded to us by this special launch service, uh, I want to take the opportunity to talk about what we're supposed to be focused on. I want to talk about our focus. For a, a, a football coach, especially in the middle of the season, uh, his focus should be football. Right? His, his, that's, if he's going to do his job well, that's how it's got to be. And, and what I want to ask this morning is, how about us? What should we be so focused on that if we neglected it, 
we would not be doing our job. Right? What should be our focus? And this really is a very important issue for a local church because a lot of times, and, and you know this maybe some of you from your own experience, a lot of times churches get off course. They, they really do. They lose their focus, and, and they end up focusing on all these things that they shouldn't be focused on. A lot of churches do that, and, and it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work when that happens. I mean, imagine a football coach, right? It's football season. I can't help myself. Imagine a football coach who decides that what he really likes is woodworking. Right? And so there it is. It's October. His team's, you know, they're, they're a third of the way into the season. And he decides, you know what I really love is woodworking. And so he starts, you know, his other coaches are, are trying to get the team together. And he's sitting there reading books about woodworking. And he's got his phone out and he's watching YouTube videos about new tools and new techniques. And, and he goes and he spends five or six hours every day in his, in his shop. And, and, you know, and he actually turns his office into a wood shop there at the stadium. And he starts building desks and chairs and all this sort of thing. Uh, imagine a coach who did that. Well, if he, if he did that, he'd get pretty good at woodworking, but his football team's not going to be very good. Right? In fact, they're probably going to really stink and they're going to get rid of them. Uh, and, and that's how it should be. And, and I want to get at that today. I want to talk about the things that we have to focus on. Because if we don't focus on them, we're not doing our job. We're not doing what we're supposed to do as a church if we don't focus on these things. And that brings us to this passage in Acts that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, a couple of years ago now, <clears throat> um, our, our elder board uh, took some time to identify the core values of our church. And we actually spent a good bit of time on this. We went on a retreat that we went to, and, uh, but it wasn't just that retreat. We actually kind of spent, uh, we invested a good bit of time and study and prayer into thinking through what are the, what are the core values of our church? What are the non-negotiables? What are the, the things that if we don't focus on them, as I say, we're not doing our job? And uh, we actually identified four at that time. And uh, a little while later, we realized there was a fifth that was so obvious, we kind of missed it. Sometimes you ever do that? Sometimes something is so obvious, you miss it. And so we, there was actually a fifth one that we, we identified a little while later. And that's what I want to do this morning. I basically want to take you through those core values. I actually preached a series on four of them uh, a year and a half ago, it was right before the pandemic. I'd be surprised if anybody remembers it because COVID drove it all out of our heads. But, uh, but, but I have talked about some of these in the past. And today what I want to do is I want to go through uh, those four and then this fifth one that we've added. And the thing about our core values is they are very scriptural. They, they are all throughout the Bible. And so we could do the sort of sermon where I have you turn to this passage, turn to that passage, and we jump all to a whole bunch of different passages. But as... Uh, God was kind to me and kind to you. He put them all in one passage. They're all right here in Acts chapter 2, this last part of, of that chapter. It's a very crucial passage, actually, I think, for understanding what the church is all about. And so we're going to look at that Acts chapter 2 passage, and I want to talk with you about our five core values, the five core values of Grace Point Church. So number one, our first core value is God's Word. God's Word. This is where it all starts for us. It starts with the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. And that's where it started in Acts. That's where the church is born. Uh, I asked uh, Jan to, to pick up in verse 37, and what verse 37 says is, now when they heard this, and the this, if you have your Bible open, you could tell this, the this that Luke's referring to there is a sermon. It's a long sermon that the Apostle Peter had just preached. 
And the thing about Peter's sermon is that it's from God's word. Have you ever noticed that? You know, I mean, Jesus would do this all the time too. Peter wasn't making this stuff up out of his head any more than I do. Peter was expositing God's word. And and if you look at the sermon Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2, he's actually got three texts that day. This morning we're looking at one text. Peter had three that morning. He had a, a passage from Joel that he quotes from. It's in verses 17 through 21. Uh, He also works from Psalm 16. That's verses 25 through 28. That was one of his texts that day. And then he also preached from Psalm 110, a very important one for understanding who Jesus is. Verses 34 and 35 is where he he works with uh, Psalm 110. And that's what makes the difference there in Acts chapter 2. This huge crowd of people listen to this sermon, and that's what they respond to. They weren't responding to Peter's rhetoric. They weren't even responding to the miracle earlier in the chapter with the speaking of the tongues. That got their attention, but that's not what converted their hearts. What changed their lives, what converted their hearts, was the preached word. Verse 37, when they heard Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What are we going to do? And Peter tells them what they need to do. You need to repent. (laughs) Repent and trust in Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And that's what they did. You heard Jan read it for us before. Verse 41, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that day in response to the preached word. And they kept doing that. That's the thing you see as you get into the the really core of of my time this morning, verses 41 through 47. Uh, It tells us, what did that early church do? Right? There they are, baby church, just born. What are they going to do? Well, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what did the apostles teach? Well, I just told you, they taught God's word. And as time went on, they wrote God's word. If you think about Peter and James and Paul and so on. And so when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that is to say they devoted themselves to the word of God. And that's what we do. That's what we're about here at Grace Point. We devote ourselves to God's word. Uh, when uh, the elders uh, identified the, the core values, when we kind of went through that process I mentioned before, uh, we, we wrote a document. It's kind of an in-house document. I mean, I'm happy to share this with anybody who'd like to read it, but uh, it's kind of an in-house document for us to use on the board to, to, as we think about these things. And I did want to share, share with you our summaries today. Um, here, here's our summary of this first core value. We believe uh, that the Word of God as given to us in the Holy Bible, both Old and New Testaments, is the foundation for everything we do. The Word is to be preached, taught, read, studied, memorized, understood, and above all obeyed. The Word is central to our ministry in general and to our ministries in particular. Uh, Where there are questions about doctrine, faith, or practice, we ask with those in the free church movement before us. We're still EFCA. Uh, We ask with with the free church movement, where stands it written in God's word? The Bible is the final authority of our lives and of the life of our church. The Bible is our final authority, not our our local traditions, not the broader evangelical movement, not our own ideas for how we think things should go, not the latest fads or what will attract the bigger crowds. It's the Bible. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone is our final and highest authority. That's a core value. It's a core value for this church. Our second core value here at Grace Point is worship. Worship. Uh, We worship God because God is worthy. 
He is worthy of our worship. He deserves to be praised. And boy, I could take you to a hundred passages in the book of Psalms that tell that, probably more. Uh, it says it in Revelation, Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. God is worthy. He's worthy of our worship. And, and so that is, that is one of our core values. It's not a side thing. It's definitely not something we do to, you know, to attract more people or anything like that. It is a core expression of who we are as, as followers of Jesus. And that's here in this passage. It's interesting, the word worship isn't used in verses 41 through 47, but it's alluded to, well, three, but then really five different times. Let me just show you these as quick as I can. Uh, worship in, in this passage. So verse 42 I told you a minute ago, it said they were devoted to God's word, but there's actually four things it says there they were devoted to, and, and one of them was, uh, was worship. They were devoted to worship. Now, as I say, it doesn't use the word worship, but uh, let me show it to you. Um, first, it says they were devoted to the breaking of bread, right? So they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, verse 42. You say, wait a minute, what's bread got to do with worship? Well, most scholars would say, and I, I would agree with them here, that that verse 42, when it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, that's a reference to what you and I call the Lord's Supper. They, when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, they said, yes, sir. And they started from the earliest days to, break, to, to do that, the breaking of the bread. It's there in verse 42. It's in the context of worship. And, and so when you think about worship, always remember, worship isn't just singing songs together. Uh, when we share the Lord's Supper together once a month, uh, that is an expression of worship. When I I'll occasionally bring communion to someone who's shut in, that is that's worship we're doing there. It's not salvific. We certainly understand that. It's, it's an expression of worship. And they were doing that. They were devoting themselves to the breaking of bread, that remembering of what Jesus had done on a regular basis. Uh, there's another reference to worship there in, um, when it talks about the prayers. And so it says they devoted themselves to, that's the main verb there in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the prayers, it says. And that little phrase, the prayers, is actually going to do double duty for us today, because I think it does double duty in the text. Uh, and, and I'll actually talk about praying in a few minutes. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, one of our values is prayer. But uh, we'll come back to that part in a minute. But when it says they devoted themselves to the prayer, it's actually, the, the prayers, it's actually being used there as a technical term for the times of worship. Because what it's talking about is the, the regular rhythm of worship that they all knew as converts from Judaism. So what you got to remember is the very first church, that church there in Acts chapter 2 that we meet, they're all Jewish. I, I, there might have been a few straggler Gentiles, I don't know, but, but, but in the context, they're all Jewish pilgrims who've come to celebrate Pentecost, and so they're there in Jerusalem. So they're all in the habit of worshiping God on a regular basis in the synagogues when they're in their hometowns and at the temple when they're there in Jerusalem. And so when it says they devoted themselves to the prayers, that's a reference to that rhythm of worship in, in the temple, in their experience of, of temple life. And so when it says they devoted themselves to the prayers, worship is wrapped into that, that glorifying of God. Uh, the third reference you'll see in this text is verse 43, and again, the word worship's not used, but I think this is worship. It says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so what do you see in that verse? You see God's moving. He's moving in, in powerful ways, miraculous ways. He's healing people. 
That's actually the next thing that you get when you start Acts chapter 3 is a, a, another healing. Healing didn't stop with Jesus. And so uh, he healed. God healed broken bodies. He delivered people from demons. He, he rescued men and women who were trapped in sin. He, he transformed hard-hearted legalists into uh, gracious disciples of Jesus Christ. Those are all miracles. And what do those miracles lead to? Awe. They were all in awe. They were all in awe. They worshiped. They worshiped God. And then they continued that. You say, oh, well, it just looks like kind of a one-day revival they had there uh, in Jerusalem. But no, they continued. That's the point of verses 42 through 47. It was a, a regular practice for them. Uh, let, me, let me show you that in verses 46 and 47. A key phrase here, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That phrase, day by day, it's used twice in what I just read you. Uh, that, what that means is that it had become, all of these things we read about here had become part of their daily lives. Those, those things had infiltrated their daily lives. It doesn't mean they did each of those things every single day. That would be kind of a grammatically wooden way that you wouldn't do that even in English. It doesn't mean they did each of these things every single day. What it means is these, this, was, this became their way of living. These became their regular practices. And one of their regular practices, according to verses 46 and 47, was they attended temple together. And again, very early church was a, a, was a movement right out of Judaism. And so what would they do? Well, where did Jews worship? Well, we go to the temple. And so they'd go to the temple and they'd worship, except they were doing it different than a lot of the, the other Jews. They were, they were worshiping Jesus. And, you know, now they, they began to have that understanding of the triune God. And, and so their worship wasn't exactly what it had been, but they were actually still going to the same place. And so when it says they, they attended temple together, that's not backsliding into Judaism. That's worshiping now as followers of Jesus. And then verse 47 just reinforces all that. Again, day by day, they were praising God. They were worshiping him. It was a core value. Worshiping God, worshiping Jesus was a core value for those very first believers. And it's one of ours as well. That's why it's one of our core values. Worshiping God is a core value for us. Again, let me read to you from uh, our, our elder board uh, summary of core values. This is number two, uh, worship. We believe God's people are commanded to worship him. It's not an optional thing. We are commanded to worship him with joy and reverence. Worshiping the Lord corporately is a central practice of the Christian life and therefore an essential expression of our faith in Christ. Corporate worship is also an important expression of the unity of the body of Christ, which is why it's so grievous when we fight about worship, right? It's, it's, it's an expression of our unity. We sing together. Uh, while we seek to be considerate of unbelievers who may be present, we believe the primary focus of our worship services is God's glory, and our services, services should therefore be conducted in a way that allows and encourages believers to express their love and reverence for God. Uh, when, we, we, when we come to worship, He is our focus, it's, it's not the type of music or the people leading it or any of those things that, that, that the world thinks we're about. We're not about those things. And if we ever make it about those things, we're wrong. Our focus is the Lord. That's why we're doing a worship service tonight, right? We're having this time tonight. It, that is an expression of our core values that we would respond. Uh, we would respond that way by worshiping together. So that's number two, worship. Uh, our third core value that we've identified here at Grace Point is prayer. 
It is prayer. We believe prayer is at the heart of the Christian life, and therefore it must be at the core of this local church. That was true for the first local church. Prayer was at the heart of what they were about. And, and you see that in, in our actual passage, right? So verse 42, I'm going to go back to that one again. Uh, they devoted themselves to, trace it out, the four things they devoted themselves to. One of them is the prayers. They devoted themselves to the prayers. And uh, like I said, that's a reference to the regular rhythm of worship that they would have already been in the habit of as faithful Jews. They carried that right over into their, their walk with Jesus now. And that worship absolutely included prayer. When you went to the temple, you were going to worship, you were going to offer the the daily sacrifices of the different kinds. There were many sacrifices that had nothing to do with sin. They were rather uh, sacrifices of adoration, sacrifices of of thanksgiving, all those ones you read about in the Old Old Testament. Um, And they would pray. And so the prayers was prayer and worship. In fact, we always pray, you know? We always pray when we come to our worship service because prayer is integrated into what it means uh, to worship. And so you see that in verse 42. Uh, it's alluded to again in verse 46 when it talks about them going to the temple. The temple is the place of prayer. But actually, here in the first two chapters of Acts, where you really see the centrality of prayer is in what happened before. That's where you really see it, what happened before the passage we're focusing on this morning. Because that's where it all started. Prayer is the foundation. It's the setup for everything else that we're talking about. It's why you know, we kind of put it in the middle here. It's the third one, not because it's third most important, but they're all equally important. But it's kind of that, that idea of it's, it's, it's the middle. It's, it's where everything else flows out of. Uh, in, uh, if you, again, if you have your Bible open, then you can kind of see this. Uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus tells the disciples, the risen Christ tells the disciples, stay in Jerusalem. Right? Don't go running out to tell everybody that I'm alive. Not yet. Uh, you stay in Jerusalem and you wait for the gift. My father's going to send you a gift, he says. And, and they're not exactly sure what that gift is, but we learn at the beginning of chapter 2, it's the Holy Spirit. But in chapter 1, they're waiting. Chapter 1 is a very amazing chapter because they're just waiting. They're waiting on God. So what do you do when you wait on God? Well, they're not sitting around playing Uno. Uh, they're sitting around praying. And that's, what, that's the big highlight of chapter 1. There's a few cool things that happened in chapter 1, but, but, but one of them is that they're praying. Acts 1.14. All these with one accord, in, in agreement, uh, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so you have this group that are together devoting themselves to prayer. And that was the setup That's what happens. And so you keep reading and you get Pentecost and the coming down of the Holy Spirit and you get Peter's sermon and you get this conversion of 3,000 people. Then you get this vibrant church in verses 42 through 47. It all started with the prayer time back in chapter 1. A couple of dozen followers of Jesus praying in private, right? Not out on the green where the newspapers can see, but together in private seeking seeking the Lord's face. It was a core value. It was a core value for that early church. And nothing has changed. No technologies come along. No philosophies supplanted. Nothing has changed in the last 2,000 years that would make that any different. It is just as much a core value for us. Uh, again, from, uh, from our summary as, as elders, uh, we believe that prayer, both private and corporate, is the lifeblood of the Christian life. Prayer is an essential practice of what Jesus calls abiding in him. whole another passage we could go look at. Uh, in, in John 15, 1 through 5. 
As Jesus makes clear there, apart from him, we can do nothing. That is, apart from concerted, committed, fervent, and heartfelt prayer, we are powerless and adrift, foolishly relying on our own wisdom and power rather than the wisdom and power of God. We therefore seek, as a church, to promote both private and corporate prayer in the various ministries of our church. Prayer is one of our core, core values. We're actually going to have a lot of prayer tonight, I believe, and in the service tonight. We'll be praying. Number four, our, uh, our fourth core value uh, here at Grace Point is community. Community. We value a lot loving, intentional, biblical community. Now, this is the one that was so obvious, we kind of took it for granted. I said that before. I mean, when we first sat down to kind of think about core values, I mean, of course we value community. I mean, we're a church. We get together. I mean, of course, that's, that's important to us, the fellowship of believers. And so we actually didn't put it on the list, ironically. Uh, but then we kind of thought about it some more. And, and really, you know what I'll tell you where it really became clear to me was the pandemic, where all of a sudden we couldn't be together or we were told we couldn't be together, right? And so all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I forgot how huge that was just to be able to gather and, and eat together and pray together and sing together and study together and, all, and just laugh together. And so that really, it was kind of a little bit of a COVID thing. It was kind of in that process where we realized, yeah, this, this needs to be explicitly stated. And, and one of the reasons that needs to be explicitly stated is that it doesn't just happen. It doesn't. Christian community doesn't just automatically happen. It requires intentionality. It really does. We have to be intentional about it. And so it needs to be spelled out. And where you see this intentionality is, again, it's there in verse 42. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And there's a, a technical word that's used there. Some of you have heard this word come up in sermons sometimes. It's, it's the Greek word koinonia. They devoted themselves to the koinonia, it says. They were focused on it. That word devoted to, it, it means focused. It's actually what made me think of Bill Cower and why I started that way. Uh, when it says, for all these things, they devoted themselves. There's actually a verse later in Acts where the, the same word is used to talk about a guy who followed one of the apostles around, almost to the point where he got sick of him following him around. Uh, and, it, and so it's that idea of paying close, close attention to something, being focused on that something. And, and that's, that's the idea here. They devoted themselves. They were focused on the koinonia, the fellowship. Now that word, a lot can be said about that Greek word, but really what it comes down to is sharing. That's actually the heart of the word. When you kind of drill down on what this word means and where it comes from and how it's used, the heart of fellowship, that Greek word koinonia, is sharing. It means to share. That's, that's the root of the word. And that's what they did. That's what you see here in this text. They were, they were sharing. They were sharing all sorts of things. For one thing, they were sharing their lives with each other. I, I think the phrase kind of gets used almost to the point of cliche these days, but they were doing life together, right? That, that's what they were doing. They were, that, a lot of times people use that phrase, that's what they're talking about. That's what these folks were doing. They were, they were living their life. They were doing life together. Uh, that meant they spent time together, right? I mean, that's, that's an obvious implication of what's said here. Uh, all who believed were together. Verse 42, they were physically together. They were choosing to spend time with each other. Not all of their time. Obviously, they, they still had jobs. They still had different homes that they would go to. They had families to take care of. Uh, so it's not that they kind of all moved in together into one big commune or something. It's the idea that they were choosing to prioritize spending time with each other. It was a core value. It was a top priority. 
They were also sharing their possessions, right? So they shared time, they shared possessions. And this text actually emphasizes that one quite a bit. Uh, Verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, again, that does not mean, this gets misunderstood sometimes, it does not mean that they set up some kind of 1960s hippie commune or something uh, where they kind of put everything in the pot and set up a socialist paradise. That is not what this text means. I could talk on a long time why it doesn't mean that. Just for today, trust me, that's not what it means. Uh, What it means is simply that they were sharing. They devoted themselves to the sharing, to the koinonia. And so what it's saying is that when it came to how they thought about their stuff, they weren't being selfish with their stuff. They were sharing their stuff. They would help each other, and they would take care of each other. That, that's the idea. And so they were sharing time, they were sharing uh, possessions, and they were sharing food. Right? Here's one of your biblical merits, uh, your biblical defenses of the church potluck. Right? Uh, verse 46, uh, day by day they were attending temple together, and day by day, the phrase applies to all the, all the participles here, day by day they were breaking bread in their homes. And again, it doesn't mean they did it every single day. It's that this was part of their regular practice. And so verse 42, it's similar words, but they're not exactly the same. Verse 42, I argued, is a reference to communion. This breaking of bread, though, the one here in verse 46, is uh, the word bread is used both times, but this one is the social kind, right? So you have the, the breaking of the bread when we open the little cup and we take out the little wafer or we you know, pass the tray around and take the bread. Um, that's one kind of breaking bread. And then there's the, we set up the tables and we put out a, ta- you know, a table with a bunch of good food and everybody goes through the line. That's another kind of breaking bread. And it's that verse 46. They were, and in this, their, this instance, uh, they, were, they were doing it in their homes, which makes it even more clear. And it says they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I mean, those, all those details make it clear that verse 46 is talking about fellowship, just eating together, right? So it's not the symbolic communion meal. It's the literal meal of enjoying each other's company over, over a meal, which is a very human thing to do. And so you have all this, these layers of community there in those few verses. Uh, here's how we summarized it for, uh, for ourselves and for the church on the board. Uh, we believe God's people are commanded to cultivate takes intentionality, to cultivate Christ-centered relationships with one another in the body of Christ. This loving community of believers is a necessary extension of God's love for us, and it functions as a witness to those outside the church that we are authentic disciples of Jesus. In John 13, I got that verse up there on the wall there. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, he said, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 35. Or as the old hymn put it, uh, they will know we are Christians by our love. That's what Jesus said. And, and, and that's really important. The most important sign as we think about, you know, evangelism isn't one of our core values, and yet it is because it's laced through several of them here. It's, it's, it's definitely embedded in this one. Uh, the most important sign to the world that we belong to Jesus is not our good theology. It's not our politics. It's not the quality of our programming or how many programs we offer. It's not even our good deeds. And I think a lot of Christians make this mistake these days. They think, well, the world will be impressed by our good deeds, right? If we get on board with the right causes and we we kind of take the right side, quote unquote, and we, we do good deeds, the world will be impressed and they'll come to Jesus. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, they'll know you belong to me because of your good deeds. He said, they'll know you belong to me because of your love for one another. 
And that's why this is a core value for us, intentional, loving community. Uh, It has to do with how we care for each other, which you see so much of there in that Acts chapter 2. And it also has a lot to do with our witness to the watching world, to those outside. They see it as well, which isn't as much here, although it is here in Acts, because that church keeps growing. If you keep reading in chapters 3, 4, 5, people are watching how those Christians were treating each other, and it was very attractive, uh, and more and more people kept coming to Jesus. And so there's both this out, inward look and then an outward look to the function, uh, the function of community. So community is, is our fourth core value. And then the fifth one, Uh, that I'd like to talk with you about is a call to action. Call to action. Genuine faith leads to genuine transformation. Jesus doesn't just change us on the inside. He also changes us on the outside. Uh, Here's how we summarized it as a board. This is our summary of call to action. We believe uh, that our commitments to the word, worship, prayer, and community, basically our commitment to the first four, culminate in action. As it says in James 2.17, faith without works is dead. The Lord Jesus calls us to live out our faith by sharing his love and proclaiming his good news, here's the evangelism, in our local communities and throughout the world. Faith without works is dead. We were actually studying through James as a church when uh, we went through this process as as leaders. And, and And what God says in James really kind of affected and, and influenced how we thought about this was, is very providential. And that James 2 passage, verses 15 through 17, uh, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled uh, without giving them the things they need, <laughs> what good is that? So also, uh, James writes, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead, the scriptures say. But it, you know, that's, it's not just that it's dead, it's that it's unnatural. And, and that's why death is a good picture for this there. A death is unnatural. It's not how, what's, what's supposed to happen. Faith without works is unnatural. Uh, or to put it in the positive, genuine faith, real faith, Jesus-centered faith, leads to good works. That's the point of, of call to action. Genuine faith leads to good works as surely as seeds planted in the spring yields a harvest in the fall. Right? There's a natural thing that happens there. Uh, you know, unless the bugs eat it all. Or something, but, but if nothing interrupts, there's a natural process. Uh, what's planted is sowed. It's a basic spiritual law. Genuine belief leads to faith in action. That's what James is saying in James chapter 2. And it's exactly what we see here in Acts. Here in Acts chapter 2. Even in the only, we're only in the second chapter, and you see it already. It's a theme Luke will keep developing as the book unfolds, but you see it in verses 44 and 45. And all who believed, we read part of this before, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so their faith, those two verses show so clearly their faith led to action. Uh, That sharing of community that we talked about a few minutes ago, uh, it wasn't just kind of a bonhomie, right? It wasn't just kind of good feelings for each other. Uh, It was actual transformation of how they lived. In this case, in this case, they actually sold some of their stuff. That's a pretty powerful thing, you know? They, They sold some of their stuff so that they begin helping each other. And I think the point there, don't take this as kind of pre uh, formulaic. Sometimes we sell our stuff, but, but if, if we settled merely for that, we're shortchanging this passage. Uh, the idea here is that, it re- is, is that it's sacrificial. Faith in action is, is sacrificial. They weren't just given their extra. They were 
they were actually making sacrifices in order to be able to help each other. And this was their regular practice. That's the other thing that's emphasized here. Uh, it's that day-by-day day phrase. Day-by-day, day, uh, they were living this way. It, was, it, was, uh, it wasn't just a one-time kind of thing. It was, a regular, it was regularly integrated in practical ways into their lives. And I think what you see, you see it a little bit in this passage, you see it more as you keep reading in Acts, uh, they were comprehensive about it. Because again, another mistake I think we could make with this passage is if we thought this was only or merely about possessions. Yes, it, it is about possessions somewhat here in this passage, but you also see it's with their time, right? They, they spent time together. They did it with their skills and abilities as, as different ones are teaching. When you read about the appointing of the deacons in Acts chapter 5, and they are men of, of, uh, of ability as well as men of godliness. Uh, they did it with their skills. They did it with their homes. It's this theme that runs through Acts. They keep opening up their homes to each other. He even talks about it here in this passage. Uh, the point is they, they did it every way they could. They put their faith into action wherever they were living life. They would put their faith to action, because they understood that's what faith in Jesus calls us to do. It calls us to action, to put that faith into action. And we believe that here. We believe that we are called to do the same thing, that God calls us to to live it out, to live out our faith in Jesus, to among each other and to a watching world. And so that means obedience. It means we're, we're called to obedience uh, at the personal level, we are called to obey the Lord and what he tells us here in his word. We actually referred to that in the, when we went through core value number one. And when we don't obey, we repent, we fall on Jesus and, and come back to him. Uh, but, the, the, but part of the call to action is, is obedience. But then it's also all those, it's, it's, it's the outworking communally. And so it's the community, right? And so we're called to bless each other. Right? That call to action is tangible that way. We, we bless each other as brothers and sisters, helping each other physically, helping each other uh, with time, by visits and encouragement and all those kinds of ways. Uh, we're also called to bless the community. You know, to bless Atlantic. You know, we're called to connect. It's this, uh, I'm not really working the mission statement in this morning. It was too much to try to cover everything in one day, but uh, we, we believe that we are called to connect real people to the real God. And, and that's not just each other, that's people outside who don't know him yet, who are hungry for, for something authentic, something true, something real. Uh, and, and that's part of this. We're called to bless those people as part of our call to action. And missions comes under here as well, uh, because the Great Commission, I've kind of put that in there in the, in the summary, uh, that, that Great Commission is a, a direct outworking of the call to action for us as followers. Uh, the, the good news of Jesus Christ isn't something we just go, oh, thank you very much and keep for ourselves. Uh, we are called to bring it to the whole world in, in, in prayers and in giving and, and in going and, and, and in every way he opens the doors. That's a core value. Putting our faith into action is a core value for us here at Grace Point Church. And so that's what we're about. That's what we're about. God's word, worship, prayer, community, call to action. If we're not doing those five things, if we're not doing those things, we're not doing our job. We'll start with me. I'm not doing my job if we're not doing those five things. We're not as a church. We're not fulfilling our purpose as a church if we're not doing those five things. And so those are what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. The, the name is, is a different name now, but these are the, see, here's the other thing. It's not like, well, we haven't been doing these things and now we're going to. Uh, we've been doing these things for a long time and our commitment is to keep doing them and to do them better. And, and that's, what we're, that's what we're about as a church. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you so much 
for the holy privilege that it is to be part of a local church. Uh, what, a, what a joy, what a gift. Uh, I think of those who are listening right now online or are here in this room, and uh, many, perhaps, have had negative experiences of local churches where they've run into sin and hypocrisy and they've been hurt and, and it's just been frustrating or boring or whatever else. And we probably do some all of that sometimes, Lord, but nevertheless, it is such a joy, it is such a privilege, a holy privilege to be called into community this way. And so we would pray that you would be working in us and through us for your great glory uh, thank you for bringing us to this place and uh, to this moment in time as well as to this physical place and help us to live this out, Lord. We can't do it in our own. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Uh, but as you abide in us and we abide in you, uh, there, there's no limit uh, other than your will. If you want to do it, you can do it in us and through us. And so uh, that is our prayer, that you would live out your will through us here at Grace Point. In Jesus' name we pray.